Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. And then verse 14, one more time. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, thanks for your love for us. Lord, thanks for your sovereign control over our lives. Lord, thanks for your goodness to us. Lord, thanks for your word. Lord, thanks for gathering us together at the beginning of another week to be together, to hear from your word, to encourage each other, to receive communion this morning, and Holy Spirit, I pray that you would just guide our hearts. I pray that Holy Spirit, just remove every distraction, open up our hearts and minds to your word, that you would encourage us and help us with it. Lord, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts will be acceptable to you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. About a week and a half ago, almost two weeks now, President Biden on an early morning, stood up in front of the cameras and said last night, the U.S. military forces successfully removed a major terrorist threat to the world. The United States had gone in and done a strike in Syria and taken out what they believe and we believe is the ISIS global leader. And he was wiped out. And in Ephesians chapter 6, the end of the book of Ephesians, Paul's been writing to this church, encouraging this church, telling them how to walk. Walk as Christians. Walk, stand. Walk and stand is what he has said over and over again because he doesn't want them to get wiped out, which is the goal of our enemy, Satan, and the evil forces that he talks about. But we don't have to be wiped out. We can walk. We can stand. We have all these resources available to us, is what she lists as the armor of God and the protection that comes with these resources that he has given us. And we need it because the battle is real. Most of us probably weren't thinking about ISIS at all when you woke up that morning and heard about that report. I wasn't thinking about the global leader, but behind all those things constantly going on is people who want to terrorize 
the world. And Ephesians 6 says that this is how Satan's strategy is. There is a battle constantly going on in the heavenly places filled with present darkness and spiritual forces wanting to take out followers of Christ. He wants to stop your walk. He wants to wipe you out. But we have these resources. And protection from, come, protection from the battle that you're in must be a continual reminder to put on the armor of God. Protection doesn't come from past sources of strength. You're not going to stand as a Christian. You're not going to walk based off of some past source of strength. Some, some time five years ago, you said, I'm going to be serious for God then. And that's going to keep me going now. Pa- past pr- source of strength isn't going to help us. Past service isn't going to help us. You know, I, I did a youth group mission trip when I was in high school, so I should be good spiritually all the rest of my life. Or uh, I was really involved in this years ago, so now, now I'm good to go. Past service isn't going to protect us. Past success. Well, I stood up against that temptation that one time, and man, it was, I felt great about it. So that, that's, that's going to get me through. Past success isn't going to do it and a past strategy of how you're going to, I'm going to get up in the morning, I'm going to read my Bible, I'm going to pray, and you do it for six months, and then, I, then that, that, that's not going to continue on. We, we constantly need to be reminded that we are in the battle. We can't put it on pause. You can't put your spiritual life on pause. You will not stay where you were. You will always be sliding backwards. You will be wiped out. You won't be walking and you won't be standing. Teresa got stuck down in Missouri a couple weeks ago because they had a historic snowstorm. And down by Branson, they have all these huge hills. They got a bunch of ice. They have 10 snow trucks for the entire area. And two of them broke down. And you would show us, so I was watching videos of big semi trucks coming up the hill, coming to a stop. They'd stop. And then they just start to slide back down. This is what happens spiritually when we put our spiritual life on pause. There's never a pause. There's never a stop, and I'll pick up back where I left off. It's always you pause, and then you slide. And the problem spiritually is sometimes you don't even realize how far you have slid. And there's many things that want to cause us to pause spiritually. We read Ephesians chapter 6 and we think, well, this, this doesn't seem like reality. I mean, this is 2022. This doesn't seem like the reality of, this, of a world that we live in where we, we're wrestling against, we're not wrestling against flesh and blood, but we're wrestling against rulers, authorities, against cosmic powers that are over this present darkness, against spiritual forces of evil. It doesn't seem like Reality and Satan's ultimate goal has always been to get people not to believe that he exists or not to believe that this is true. Because Satan is a liar and he's the father of lies, the Bible says. And there's just sometimes too much reality. Life just seems too complicated, too difficult. That again, you sometimes can seems like it doesn't seem to be true. But the reality is is true. We are in a spiritual battle. There is an attack against us if you're a follower of Christ, and Satan has a diabolical strategy 
to take you out. And in some ways you might not even think about it. Here's a list that some people, someone put together on ways that Satan works in his strategies of how he wants to take people out from walking to wipe them out. He does it by bringing in unusual or repeated temptations. An attack from an unexpected quarter of your life. Things are going well and all of a sudden that area starts to fall apart. Delays that hinder you from obeying God. Inducements or thoughts to doubt God's word. Circumstances that produce an unusual pressure upon you. Temptation to sin in areas that never troubled you before. Prolonged doubts of, of discouragement. Worry that seems to consume you. So just seductive appeals to sinful things that you will compromise in. A bitterness towards other people. Desires to give up on the Christian life. And enticements to turn away from the means of grace. God's word, prayer, gathering together with his people, communion. Excuses made for lack of spiritual growth. Critical comments about and from other believers. Attempts to hide your behavior from other. Those are all ways that Satan's got it. This is his strategy. This is how he wants to lie to you and convince you that you, you do your life the way you want to do it. And the Bible says in 1 John, we have three enemies, the world, the flesh, and the devil. When it talks about the world, it's not talking about the creation and the beauty of creation. It's talking about the, the world system that is naturally set up to go against God. We, we see this. It's very real to us when you, when you look at the world system. The world systems are not set up to draw people to worship and glorify God. And the Bible says in 1 John, this is what we have to stand up against. The world, the flesh, our own natural desires that naturally go against God and the devil. These are our three enemies. This is what Ephesians 6 is all talking about. John Blanchard said this about the enemy of enemies. We've speaking, spoken of in Ephesians chapter 6. We have a living, intelligent, resourceful, and cunning enemy who can outlive the oldest Christian outwork the busiest, outfight the strongest, and outwit the wisest. But in our flesh, left to ourselves, we, we, we hear this stuff and we think, you know, I, I, I think I can do it on my own. We may never say it out loud, but we live like that sometimes. We think, I can do this. I remember years ago when the Chicago Bears were awesome, back in 1986 and 1985, my dad worked for the, for the Plainfield School District, and the, the, the Bears that won the Super Bowl, a number of them were playing basketball in a competition and at the gym, and so we were able to go watch them. Uh, Jimbo Covert was there, I mean, some of the great guys. And, and I remember thinking as a junior high kid, watching the Bears play that season before, I could keep up with them. I mean, how hard could this be? Uh, I, I could do this. I was living the dream with them. When Walter Payton ran, I was running. I mean, remember that? You, you just think, I could do this. I mean, these guys, I, I'm like, I'm, I'm that tough. Until I got into the gym and stood next to them writing, writing for their autographs. And their arms were five times my thighs. And, uh, and I realized then, I don't think I could keep up with them. But this is how we, we think sometimes when we, we hear about what Satan says and how God describes him and, and what he's trying to do, the strategy he has to, take, to take us. And in ourselves, we still think, I, I can do this on my own, but we can't. But we have these 
resources, the, the armor of God to help us stand. It's God's armor. Satan hates you personally if you're a follower of Jesus Christ. And Satan hates Cornerstone Church collectively if we stand for Jesus Christ. And he has a strategy to want to wipe you out, but God has given us an unbelievable resource in the armor of God to help us stand. Four times he said it, stand. The reason I'm, he's right, puts it at the end of this book is he says, I want, I want you to stand as a church collectively, as individuals in the faith. I, I don't want you to be wiped out. And so the first one he said was put on the belt of truth, which we said looked at Jesus is truth, the Bible is truth, and the question is who's going to have first place in your life. And the next one is, connected to truth, is the breastplate of righteousness. You ever wonder what your purpose in life is? I mean, why does God have you where you are, who you are, how, he, how you are? What's your purpose as a Christian? Are your purpose, Matthew Henry said it years ago in the 1700s, and I read it this past week, and I, this is it. He says, our present business is to withstand the assault of the devil and to stand it out. You wonder, you know, what's my purpose in life? Well, why, why am I here? Why am I at the job that I am at? Why am I at the school that I am at? Why am I in this zone of retirement that I am at? Well, what's my purpose that God has for me? Your present purpose is to withstand the assaults of the devil and to stand it out. Wherever you are, to stand it out. So whatever place and location that God has put you, your purpose is to withstand the assaults of the devil and to stand it out and then stand it out so other people can see who Jesus Christ is and let his kingdom get advanced. That's, his pur- that's, that's your purpose for existing. That's the purpose of our church existing. That's why God has you where he has you. On a Tuesday afternoon, when you're going to work or in the middle of work and you're trying to figure out what's God doing with my life or what am I doing with my life, what's my purpose? Your purpose is to stand. Stand against the assaults of Satan that are going to come this, that, that afternoon and stand for Jesus Christ. That's, that's your purpose. And you take that into your evening and you take it into the next day. That's our purpose. And how do we do it? We put on the belt of truth and then we take on the breastplate of righteousness. What, what, what's the purpose of the breastplate. The breastplate for a soldier would have covered from their neck all the way down to the lower part of their abdomen. It was usually made out of metal or animal hooves or very strong material, and they would put it over the top of them like a bulletproof vest. It's not true that they didn't have a covering in the back. It did have a covering in the back, but it, it's, that was the purpose. We all we, we can picture that. We know it. We we, we see it. They would, they would put them on. The purpose of the, the breastplate for a soldier was to protect just the most vital organs that exist. You get your arm hacked, that hurts. You get a spear through your heart, you're dead. And the breastplates 
protected the most vital parts, the most especially the heart. The Bible talks about the heart all over the place. And even the loins and the, 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 the Bible talks about the loins and how people thought of emotions. And they all seem to come into this, in the, this area that is protected by the breastplate. But it protected ultimately the most vital parts of a soldier, which is where for us as well, it's, it's, it protects our hearts. The Bible talks a lot about the heart. It says this is where we have our, just the way we think, the will, our mind, our will, our emotions, our desires. Proverbs 4.23 says, Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Or guard your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. And Jesus in Luke chapter 6 Verses 43, he, he, he would also spoke about the heart. He says, For no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of the evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You want to know what you are really thinking, feeling? Listen to what you say out loud. He said, that's not really how I think or speak. That is how you really think or feel. Out of the abundance of your heart, the mouth speaks. Satan wants to take out your heart. He wants to let's see if he can get your heart, if he can turn your heart from God, he can turn you away, he can wipe you out. And the breastplate's purpose was to protect the most vital parts of a soldier. And spiritually, the breastplate is to protect the heart. Now, don't get too thrown off when you read the Bible and you come to Thessalonians where it doesn't say the breastplate of righteousness. Paul's using metaphors. In this moment, he's taking the metaphor of the breastplate to say this is what we need to cover righteousness. Don't get thrown off if you read it and say, well, he says breastplate something else over here. He's just using pictures to help us understand the vital things. And he's saying, listen, guard your heart. Take on, and the way you guard your heart, the most vital part of you is through righteousness. The purpose of the breastplate was to guard the vital parts of a soldier, and the way we guard our hearts, which is a vital part, he says, is with righteousness. What's the power of righteousness? Righteousness in our culture usually has a negative sense, doesn't it? If you're talking to somebody, they bring up righteousness, usually they're talking about somebody who's being self-righteous. Oh, they're just so self-righteous. They think they're, they think they're all that. In Luke 18, there's these two guys that come to pray in the temple. One was a Pharisee, church-going guy, and another was a sinner, it says. Church-going guy walks into the church, and he prays, oh God, thank you that I'm not as bad as that guy over there. Thank you that I didn't do this. Thank you that I'm not like him. And the publican, the sinner, Praise God, have mercy on me. Which one was righteous? Jesus says it wasn't the Pharisee. That was self-righteousness. Righteousness in the Bible, it's all over 
the Bible and a definition of righteousness. It just has this idea of, of just being straight and not crooked. If something is aligned up properly, it's, it's right, it's righteous, it's not crooked. It meets the standard of something. It meets the expectations. I mean, it's, if, it's, if something meets the standards and meets the expectations, there's in the Bible, the idea of righteousness is not just is, is that, but it's also relational. So there's this absence aspect of it being presentable. To be righteous is to be, to be straight, to, to, to meet the standard, to not be crooked, to meet that expectation, to be acceptable, to be presentable, which is really what everybody really wants. We, we all want righteousness. We strive for righteousness because there's a universal great desire for righteousness because when there isn't righteousness, there's just crooked exposure of, of not being acceptable, not, not meeting expectations. I mean, there are all kinds of righteousness that, that are happening in this room right now. Uh, some of you are like, I think I understand, so I'm gonna look like I'm listening. Uh, and, and, I, and I get what he's saying. So I gotta make sure, yeah, I, that guy looks like he gets it, so I gotta look like I get it. You go to work and you have work righteousness. Uh, you you, you want to do your job in a certain way so the people look at you and say, that guy knows what he's doing. Even if you don't, you fake it till you make it. That's righteousness. There's a looks righteousness. I mean, nobody woke up this morning, probably looked in the mirror and said, that's good to go, and took off. I mean, we, 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 we had this sense of righteousness. We looked at the mirror and said, that needs to be fixed before I go and sit with some people. And we, we, we covered things up, we put things away, we tucked and we combed and we walked in and we thought, I'm presentable now. We are righteous. There's picture righteousness. We put on Facebook and social media, we don't put the pictures that show our real family, we put the pictures that show the presentable family we want to see. We want righteousness as a people. There's sports righteousness. There's any type of righteousness, any place you want to be accepted because righteousness is meeting the standard. It's meeting the expectations. It's being acceptable. It's being presented. So what's true righteousness? How? Because we know we don't always meet the standard, do we? We don't even meet our own standards half the time, if we're honest. We look at our lives, we look at our situations, and we say, I can't even meet my boss's standard. I can't meet my wife's standard, my husband's standard, my kid's standard. How am I supposed to meet God's standard? And we read Scripture, and we hear that we, there's none righteous, no, not one. So how can we put on this breastplate of righteousness? And the righteousness that we receive from God, true righteousness, is that we needed a righteous helper. And the righteous helper we got is Jesus Christ who came and lived the life like we did, but he lived it perfectly. Jesus' life met the standard. He met the expectations of God. He was acceptable to God for us. And Jesus went to the cross for our sins, was killed, rose again, and his sacrifice for us was righteous before God. And God forgave those who trusted in him of their sins. And we received Christ's righteousness. If you're a Christian, you have Christ's righteousness. You, you, you 
have been covered in Christ's righteousness. It's been given to you. The breastplate of righteousness says, put this on. It means receive what Jesus Christ has done for you. His righteousness makes you acceptable before God. If you're a Christian, when God sees you, he sees you in Christ. He sees you in Christ's righteousness, which was given for you. Romans 10.3 says, For being ignorant of the righteousness of God and sought to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. But if there was a time in your life when you realized, I don't meet God's standard. I want to be accepted by God. And saw that Jesus did, and you said, Jesus, I want you. Forgive me of my sin. Have mercy on me. I trust you. In that moment, God gave you his righteousness. He took off your filthy rags of sin and he covered you in his righteousness. It's, it's implanted, it's given to you. The big word, it's imputed to you. And Satan's strategy is this if you're a Christian, to get you to doubt all the time that you have that righteousness. And then he wants you to desert your growth in righteousness. He's, he's like the bully friend who comes up to you constantly. You're, you're a Christian. You have this righteousness. And you're right. And, then he's, and Satan wants to say, no, really? Are you really right? I, 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 I remember what you just did four hours ago. How can you say you're right with God? How, how can you say that you're forgiven? How can you say that God loves you? I mean, look at you. you. You don't care about God. You're not interested really in the things of God. Only when other people are around, you seem interested. And this is Satan in your head telling you all these things. Just a bully. And, and the, the armor of God says, listen, put on the whole armor of God. Take the, bread, the, take the belt of truth, truth and, put it, and cover your heart with the reality that as a Christian, you have been given the righteousness of God and it never goes away. You are covered forever in Christ's righteousness. So how do you put it on? What's the process of putting on the, the righteousness of God? You, you, first, you attach to it by faith. I mean, it's just daily believing the gospel. It's, the fight is in your mind. Satan is lying to you when you're a Christian and you, he says to you, you're not a Christian you don't really love God. Look at your life. You, 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 you're, you're not making it. You're not meeting the standards. And it's this voice in your head. You've heard that? So you're, you're not good enough. How could God love you? How could God care about you? I mean, look who Jesus is. You're not even close to Jesus. That constantly is your head. The way you put on the breastplate of righteousness is saying, no, that's not true, Satan. Not because of anything that I have done, but because of what Jesus Christ has done in me. And you daily again believe the gospel. You repeat the gospel to yourself. You rehearse the gospel to yourself. But, but first, you might need to come to it by faith. Maybe, maybe there is a person here who's like, no, I don't need God. I, I can, I can, I'm good enough. I mean, I'm at church, aren't I? So that makes me a Christian. That makes me good enough. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that unless you have humbled yourself and come to faith in Jesus Christ and putting your trust in Jesus Christ alone, you're not righteous. But if you just say, I want Jesus' righteousness, I want to be a true follower of Christ, God, you can have my life, then the righteousness, the goodness, all of Christ covers you. 
So we attach to it by faith. So when the doubts come, you pick the Bible up again and you read again the gospel. You hear what Jesus Christ has done for you. This is putting on the breastplate of righteousness and it's answering the accuser. The Bible says in Revelation chapter 12 that Satan is the accuser of the brethren. He's constantly lying to us. He's constantly saying, you're not good enough. You don't meet the standard. God couldn't love you. Look at your past. Remember what you did 15 years ago? Remember what you did three years ago? You actually think God's going to forgive that? I mean, yeah, you came back to God. You got all excited for six months, and then you went away again. I mean, come on. You think God's really going to put up with that? If you hear that in your voice, in your head, It's Satan. It's the fiery darts of the evil one. The evil one, listen. Satan will say, look at your sin. And now you must stay away from God. That's a lie from Satan. If you hear in your head, look at your sin. Now stay away from God. That's not from God. Because the Holy Spirit says, hey, he, he points out righteousness. The Holy Spirit will say, this is sin, so step closer to God. Those are two different voices in your head. If you hear the one that says, hey, just look, who do you think you are? Now walk away from God. You can never be acceptable. That's a, that's a fiery dart from the evil one. But if you hear, hey, that's sin, you're like, yeah, that's sin. Now step closer. That's the Holy Spirit calling you in. Because the Holy Spirit says, I take sinners in. So what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit says, I turn people to the right road. The Holy Spirit says, I transform people. I, I, I change people. The Holy Spirit says, I transform people in my time. So you're like, yeah, I want to believe that, but it's been years me struggling with this sin. It's been months. I, I have some victory, then I fail. I, I just can't be a Christian. And in my head, I'm supposed to be told, go away. That's not from God. That's, that's from Satan. The Holy Spirit would say, Yeah, that's sin, but keep fighting. Keep walking with me. Keep stepping closer to me. I transform people, and I do it in my time. There's a huge difference. So we put on the breastplate of righteousness by attaching to faith, by answering the accuser, and then by altering our path. We we, we are called to walk in faith, walk in righteousness. Ephesians is all about walk, stand, walk, stand up against sin, Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, so that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So you alter your path, and the more you say, you know, I'm going to read God's word and obey it, all of a sudden the righteousness of God, you, you, you sense it, you feel it, the attacks come, but you, you, you recognize things. And then ask for assistance. You're like, I'm really struggling, and I'm be, I, just, I feel like I should be walking away from God, but the Holy Spirit is saying, come, then ask for assistance. That's the beauty of even these men and women Bible studies we have on Sunday mornings before the service. It's a chance to sit with other men and women and start conversations, start relationships, so that when you're in the middle of the week, you'd say, who could I call? 
Oh, I know, I, I could talk to that guy, or I could talk to her. This is what the church is for, so we ask for assistance. So attach it to faith. Answer the accuser. Alter your path. Walk in obedience. Ask for assistance. Because the breastplate of righteousness is an absolute precious blessing. There were two brothers in Luke 15. One of them said, you know what? I want what I want. I'm going to want it now. So he went to his dad and he got all, he said, dad, give me everything you, you got that's mine. And his dad did. And he took off and he lived wildly, freely, and recklessly. And he got wiped out. And he thought he was done. But he came to his brain and he came to his moment and he said, you know, I, I could go back to dad and I could act and work and work for dad. He hires people. I need a job. And so he did. He walked back to his dad, back home. And as soon as the dad saw him, he came running to him. He brought him in. He didn't ask him to become his son again. He was always his son. He embraced him. He brought him in. And the, he, the father kissed his son, and the son said, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, he didn't even listen to his son. He brushed off that nonsense comment. And he said, but the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him. And put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. And bring the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and he is found. And they began to celebrate. This is the breastplate of righteousness. As when you wander and you, you, don't, you come back and say, no, this is truth. The truth is Jesus died for my sins. It's not my righteousness that I need. I needed Christ's righteousness. It's been given to me. I have it so I can stand up against the attacks of Satan. Even when I fail, I can seek the Lord and I can, he will answer me and he will deliver me from all my fears. And those who look to him will be radiant and their faces shall never be Ashamed. This is how we put on the righteousness of God. When I was probably seven, eight, nine, we lived in Plainfield, and one of our friends, she was a single mom, and her name was Mrs. Ahoyt. And Mrs. Ahoyt was tall and attractive. That's what I remember about her. And one day, Mrs. A she had a son our age, and we would hang out and play. And one day, Mrs. Ahoyt stopped at our house. They lived about a block and a half away. And all I heard was, I'm gonna take, I like to take the boys for ice cream. As soon as I heard her say, take the boys for ice cream, I thought for some reason I had to run to her house to meet her there and that she was going to take us for ice cream. I took off like a madman um, across the street, uh, onto the stop line, crossed one street and was ready to pass across the next. I mean, I was excited. And nobody else was behind me. Nobody else came. My brothers and didn't come. So finally, I turned around, and about a block away, all I see is Mrs. Ahoyt. Paul, Paul, 
waving at me, come back this way. Because she was already at our house with her car. I had heard a wrong voice in my head and I went off the wrong path. And Mrs. Ahoyt, she loved me. She called me back and she took me back for ice cream. I didn't have to do anything. This is the gift that we have in Jesus Christ. That's where our hope is built. Even when we run our own way, we think we get it right in our heads. It's all messed up. We feel like God can't use us anymore. We are called to stand, put on the breastplate of righteousness. Our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock, I stand. When darkness veils his lovely face, I'll rest on his unchanging grace. In every high and stormy day, my anchor holds within the veil. Stand by faith with the belt of truth, who is Jesus, and stand with the confidence that because you are in Christ as a Christian, you have Christ's righteousness, and he's constantly calling. He's telling you to keep coming. So when the voice says you're not good enough, you've sinned too much, you've gone too far, you've walked away too much, it's not true. Just look back, look to Jesus. He's calling you, and his righteousness is and will always cover you.